This is Andy Griffith. A crowd is gathering at a place of fields and rolling hills somewhere in Pennsylvania. On a platform which has been set up at the far end of the area are giant television screens, radar receivers, placed to sweep the heavens. In a moment, a man steps to a microphone. The crowd quiets expectantly. The man clears his throat, <clears throat> and he speaks. Today, on the 52nd anniversary of Ned Bummer's exodus from Earth, we are gathered to pay our respects to the first man who positively established that we are coming and going at the same time. Long ago, before Ned Bummer, we believed the limiting factor in our exploration of the universe was the speed of light. It's hard to believe, I know, but we used to think of the speed of light was as fast as you could go. Imagine, 186,000 miles a second was it. Now, of course, it's whiz and away we go, darting through interstellar space, hither and yon to the very extremes of this little old universe of ours. Well, it was Ned Bummer who made that possible. It was Ned Bummer who made that first leap into the future, dragging the rest of us behind him. Ned Bummer, out there in the universe, ready to chat with us on this historic day. And that's only the beginning of Ned Bummer's story. Mutual Radio Theater, a new adventure in radio listening. Five nights of exceptional entertainment every week, brought to you in Elliot Lewis's production of the Mutual Radio Theater. Our story, Our Man on Omega by Elliot Lewis. Our star, Richard Crenna. The speaker pauses to brush a tear from the corner of his eye as he remembers Ned Bummer, that great man who did so much for the human race. The crowd expectantly waits. Overhead, a clear sky is empty of activity. Let me give you some background. Back in the 1980s at Green Bank, an experiment called Project Ozma 3 was set in motion. Very simply, what it did was send out a series of radio signals aimed in all sorts of directions to try and locate intelligent life on other planets. The signals were simple mathematical equations, so adroitly designed that any simpleton in the universe could deduce from them what our intelligent life on Earth was all about. 1 plus 1 equals 2, and so forth. According to the calculations then accepted, it would take 12 years for the message to get to the nearest possibly inhabited planet, and then a few days for the folks there to try to figure it out, and then 12 years for a reply. This, of course, was based on the premise that nothing travels faster than light. Since it would take 24 years, give or take a day or two, before an answer could be expected, although the machinery had been installed, it was not yet activated. Ned Bummer, as you know, was a computer repair and maintenance technician, and the computers up at Greenbank were his charges. The day Ned Bummer made his discovery was the greatest all-time day in the history of the universe. You recall, he was the first one who believed we were coming and going at the same time. 
Well, on this great all-time day that I'm talking about, Ned Bummer was at Green Bank. And what he was doing was connecting all that equipment that was scanning the universe, sending out signals. Because Ned Bummer didn't believe it would take 24 years for an answer. And sure enough, when the receiving equipment was connected, Ned Bummer became the first person in the history of planet Earth to hear the voice of someone from somewhere besides here. Ned very distinctly heard the voice of a feminine being. And this is what she said. Hello, Earth. Hello, Earth. Hello, Earth. What is this, a joke? Do you want to talk to us, or is this a put-on? Quick as a flash, Ned grabbed the microphone, and his voice replaced the pattern of signals. In perfect control, in that contained way of his, he spoke to a being from somewhere else. This is planet Earth. This is planet Earth. Hi. Well, at last. I've been saying hello, planet Earth, until my throat got sore. What's going on? It's too complicated to explain. Uh, to whom am I speaking? Norma K. Vicky, and you are? Bummer. Ned Bummer, planet Earth. I just knew it had to be Earth because of these wild messages we've been getting telling us one and one is two and two and two is four and so forth. That's some dumb, intelligent life you have over there. <laughs> Forgive us. Uh, tell me, from where are you speaking? The headquarters building. No, I mean, I'm on Earth. Where are you? Oh, I see what you mean. I'm on first. I think you call it Alpha Omega. Alpha Omega? First, it's called. First up, first you go forward, first you go backward. You mean you've been there and you're coming back? Exactly. Forward and back, forward and back. You're going, I'm returning. Later on, you'll be returning. It's the natural order of things. Am I on the right track when I deduce you speak English on Omega? We speak all the Earth languages. We learned from listening to your radio and TV. We saw it and heard it before. And now that we're coming back, we're getting the reruns. Television, you said. Did you have television? Do we have television? You betcha. Why? I thought, if you have the time, I thought I'd put a TV connector relay on this channel. And as we're talking, we could also see one another. Well, that would be very nice. We, uh... Yes? Well, uh, we don't look like you, you know. Oh, that's all right. Uh, just give me a minute. Ned Bummer hurriedly connected a small television receiver to the transmitting and receiving equipment. And then he leaned eagerly forward prepared to be the first person on the planet Earth to see a being from somewhere else. What a moment, huh? Ned Bummer sitting there in front of that television receiver, ready to get an Earth person's first look at someone from somewhere else. Now that's drama. While the sets were warming up, Ned engaged Norma K. Vicky in conversation. By the way, is it Ms. Vicky or, or perhaps Miss Vicky or Mrs. Vicky? None of the above. We gave that up. Oh, of course. And you, since you're still going forward, is it Mr. Bummer or Mrs. Bummer? Mr. Bummer. Of course. Oh, my, is that you? You see me? I think it's you. Are you moving your right hand up and down? Yes, I'm waving. You're waving. How do I look? Is the picture sharp? I could reach out and touch you with how real you look. You want to see me? 
Oh, yes, I'd be honored. I'm between channels two and four. Channel three. Three? Uh, here it would be 11. Think of Ned Bummer's self-control at that moment. The slightest raise of an eyebrow, the tiniest gaping of the mouth, any outward sign of surprise would certainly be offensive to Norma K. Vicky and might indeed jeopardize Earth's relationship with other beings on other planets for all time to come. But let Ned Bummer describe it as he wrote it in his diary. The instant Norma K. Vicky told me what channel she was on, I felt my stomach tense in anticipation. I literally froze my face into an appealing, warm, and friendly look so as not to betray my emotions when I first saw her. I leaned forward in my chair and switched to channel three and adjusted the focus until it was clear and sharp. What I saw was a being with little or no waist, her bust and hips squared off and of equal projection from her torso. Her arms and legs were perfectly matched lengthwise and were capable of being placed all four on the ground or raised in either alternate or catty-corner pairs. The upper third of her body was gently sloped front to back, and within this area were Norma K. Vicky's eyes and her wide, generous mouth, which opened in an entrancing way without being sexy. Attached to her lower lip was what at first appeared to be a handle, although I quickly judged it to be an odor sensor. In fact, Norma K. Vicky was the exact duplicate of what we used to call a corner mailbox. Well, what do you think? Are you surprised at how I look? Uh, not a bit. Not one little bit. I told you we don't look like you, you know. Well, as a matter of fact, you don't. You noticed the difference? Yes, I did. Because you've seen some of us before? Well... You're the contact, right? Contact? Can you be trusted? Absolutely. Do you remember, before you and I had these conversations, when you folks were sending us those wild messages, one and one is two and so forth? Oh, I remember it well. When we received those messages, we were worried about you. I mean to say, there I was responding to your stupid messages, no offense to present company, and no one over there was responding to my response. Yes, yes. We thought maybe you were sick or had destroyed yourself. So we sent an expeditionary force of 27 of our finest to see what was wrong. You mean... There are 27 Omega sites among you there on Earth. But where? They're... What are they doing? They're disguised. The last I heard, they were in your Des Moines, in New Iowa. They'd gotten hold of some red and blue and white coloring matter and disguised themselves. We haven't heard from them since they put on the disguise. Do you suppose they're lost? Did something terrible happen to them? Is it dangerous in your Des Moines, in Iowa? Oh, I'm sure they're all right. You know how it is when you get to a new place. You go sightseeing, get caught up in the world of things, and sometimes you forget the folks at home. Yes, I suppose so. I, I wonder, uh... Yes? I hate to impose. Oh, that's all right. W would you like me to round them up? Would you? Tell me, do they look like you? Exactly like me, except they're disguised. Where I'm blue with a green cast, they're a combination of red, white, and blue. I see. I believe I know where I might find them. Would it be putting you out to ask them to get in touch? No, not at all, not at all. Well, I'm going to have to sign off now if I'm to round up your fellow Omegasites. But I'll stay in touch. Good luck. <laughs> 
What a task Ned Bummer had set for himself. He had promised to locate 27 Omega sites, who in their red, white, and blue disguises clearly duplicated the corner mailboxes, which used to be on nearly every corner throughout the U.S. of A. Norma K. Vicky had said they'd last been heard from in Des Moines, Iowa, and that's where Ned began his search. Ned proceeded with the utmost caution, lest the word get out that 27 corner mailboxes weren't corner mailboxes, but were indeed beings from another planet. <laughs> what mob hysteria would have resulted? And so proceeding with extreme caution, only when the coast was clear would Ned Bummer approach what seemed to be a corner mailbox, but which might be a lost Omega site, and address it thusly. Hi there, I'm Ned Bummer. Norma K. Vicky sent me? Good heart that he was, when he approached a corner mailbox into which someone had just stuffed a package, Ned would quickly say, uh, Forgive us, I'm sorry, we, we didn't know. What a super humanitarian. And now, folks... We have a surprise for you. While I've been speaking, Hal, our engineer, has made contact with Alpha Omega. And at this moment, I would like to call in Ned Bummer himself to comment on his eight-month search for the missing Omega sites. Hello, Ned Bummer. Hello, Ned Bummer. Can you hear us? I can hear you, sir. You're coming in loud and strong. Ned, there are hundreds of thousands of people gathered here today to celebrate your accomplishments. Your wife, Mrs. Ned Bummer, is an honored guest. Oh, hello, old girl. We'll be together soon. Uh, she's overcome with emotion, Ned, and unable to speak. But she's waving at you, Ned. She's waving at the speaker your voice is coming from. I'm waving back, old girl. Ned, I was telling the folks about your search for the missing Omega sites. Would you care to comment? Thank you. That search was one of the most difficult periods of my life, sir, as you can imagine. My concern for the missing Omega sites was enormous, since they were alone and friendless on an alien planet disguised as corner mailboxes. Ned, there are people here in this crowd who are openly weeping. As well they might, sir, for those Omega sites were living in secrecy on street corners without a roof over their heads. I made my first contact on the outskirts of Des Moines, Iowa, near a railroad station. There I discovered Seymour Y. Kenley, a strapping young Omegasite so terrified by his surroundings that at first he was unable to speak to me. Only when I placed my arm around his broad back did he break down and sob. With Seymour Y. Kenley by my side, we traversed this great nation of ours in search of the other Omegasites. Oh, their condition was pitiful. Arnold D. Deems was located outside the New York Times mailroom and suffers a hernia to this day. Mm, how badly we behaved toward our first visitors from another planet. Oh, but it wasn't malicious, sir. None of it was malicious. Uh, excuse me, sir. Yes, of course, immediately. Uh, I, now I must get back to work. But before I leave, let me say one other thing. I think we all find, as we get younger, how many foolish things we did in our old age. It has been truly said that old age is wasted on the elderly. Good wishes to you all until we meet again three or four years ago. Take care, old lady. Take care, my precious. Mrs. Bummer is waving, Ned. She's sobbing and waving. We'll be together soon, old girl. And, and we'll have our honeymoon. What a great person. How modestly he glossed over that eight-month period. Not a word about his difficulties with the postal authorities and the police. 
Not a syllable about the week he spent in the intensive care unit of the West Cleveland Hospital for the Deranged. He did not mention the night that he and Seymour Y. Kenley found Arthur L. Flem standing on a New York street alongside Santa Claus. And glued to his neck, that terrible piece of paper, its invitation to mayhem clearly printed, Mail Early for Christmas. <laughs> Before anyone could stop him, Ned Bummer, driving a newly requisitioned ex-moving van, pulled to the curb, lifted Arthur L. Flem from the sidewalk, and as Santa Claus shouted, Stop! Stop! Ned Bummer drove quickly away with Santa Claus and a Salvation Army lassie in hot pursuit. And Lawrence W. Neek was found outside a soap company's headquarters where he was being stuffed with bubble bath samples. And Norman R. Zolly, the leader of the expedition, was found outside the foundation for Planned Parenthood stuffed with brochures, which accounts for the minor population explosion of that year. Now, it was Ned Bummer's intent when he'd gathered together all the Omega sites to drive his converted moving van in which the 27 Omega sites were being transported to Green Bank, where he planned to let them broadcast on television to Norma K. Vicky on Omega. During his task of rounding up the Omega sites, he regularly sent postcards to his bride-to-be, Miss Eleanor Hempel, whom you all know. Let's hear it for the little lady, Eleanor Hempel, now Mrs. Ned Bummer. Take a bow, Mrs. Bummer. That's it. You there. Give her a hand. Help her up. Don't let her totter. That's it. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, these postcards Ned mailed always showed a corner mailbox, since Ned Bummer wanted to hint to his beloved as to what he was doing. Now he wanted to see her in person, so he made a little bit of a detour on his way to Green Bank to pay a visit to Miss Hempel. Just wait here for a moment. Oh, Ned, you've given up dreaming about going forward and back and taking a position with the post office. Oh, my darling. Post office? Now we can be married. We don't have to postpone our wedding another minute. Oh, my darling Ned. Mm, but I'm, I'm not with the post office. You're not? No. I noticed immediately that a corner mailbox was clearly in view in each picture postcard you sent me. And so I thought... Uh, those aren't mailboxes. Those are my friends. Who are? What looks like mailboxes. They're not. They're not mailboxes? They're omegasites. The mailboxes are omegasites? Uh, Ned, darling, I I'm afraid I'm slow-witted today. May I bring my friends into your house? Of course, my darling. Gentlemen, my fiancé, Miss Eleanor Hempel, who lives in that little white house with the picket fence, would like you to come in for a little visit. We'd be honored. My dear, may I present my friends, the Omegasites. They're from the planet Omega. How do you do? How kind of you to receive us. How do? I'd like to tell you that any friend of Ned's is a friend of mine. Won't you come in? 
Now, at that time, a group of volunteers had formed in the U.S. of A. who called themselves the Patriots to Keep the Mails Clean. The PKMC encouraged self-righteous acts of vigilance on the part of its members, who were dedicated to removing from the mails any material they considered decadent, salacious, or obscenely offensive. Their most prominent enemy were those who mail things in plain brown wrappers. The PKMC would confiscate such material and burn it, tearing open corner mailboxes in order to do this. They would then leave the mailboxes in empty fields for the postal officials to find and repair. Well, you might not believe this, but in one of those chance encounters that often changes the shape of history, Feldon Bark, the executive secretary and guiding light of the PKMC, just happened to be driving past Miss Eleanor Hempel's little house at the moment she was greeting the Omega Sites who stood on her front porch. Feldon Bark immediately surmised that a giant plain brown wrapper pornographic mailing was about to take place, and it was just as if an act of war had been declared. He flicked on his CB radio. Mayday! 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 This is Clean Daddy! All members of PKMC, this is war! Well, can you imagine 27 Omega sites being welcomed to planet Earth by Miss Eleanor Hempel on the front porch of her little home with the big events? And just when it seems everything's fine, Feldon Bark sees them, thinks they're mailboxes, and in effect declares war. I mean. Think of it, ladies and gentlemen. Think of it. Later on, Feldon Bark was asked what exactly had happened. And this is what he said. <clears throat> now, whatever I did was done to protect all our people, young and old alike, from the dirty dangers which lie inside plain brown wrappers. Now, in my view, if a man hasn't the guts to put a return address on his mail, he deserves whatever happens to him. I ask this court to reverse his judgment, since all I did was try to make certain that certain vile people who were using the fine United States mail for the purpose of seducing the American people, young and old alike, would not do so anymore. Well, that gives you an idea of the sort of man Feldenbach was. You recall what he did when he saw the Omega sites. Mayday! Mayday! This is Clean Daddy. Now hear this. An unidentified moving van license number COO784, this state, bearing on either side signs reading Curb Your Dog, is preparing to load 50 to 100 mailboxes, each crammed to the gunwales with filthy plain brown wrappers. This moving van must be stopped. Repeat, this moving van must be stopped. This is Clean Daddy, over. One by one, each member of the Patriots to keep the mails clean responded. Since Feldenbach, in his excitement, had neglected to give his location, it took a little bit of time before the members of the PKMC reconnoitered. And by then, Ned Bummer had reloaded the Omega sites, and they were on their way up to Green Bank. The expedition's leader, Norman R. Zolli, sat up front with Ned Bummer, while the other Omega sites gathered in the back of the van. Miss Hempel is a charming young lady. Oh, thank you. She's agreed to be my wife. Oh, how nice. Uh, where are we going? You'll see. I have a surprise for you. Will it hurt? No, 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 of course not. Those times are over. And I must apologize for the way you and your cohorts were mistreated. Yes. 
Where are we now? This is a place where I spent many happy hours when I was a child. <laughs> Very often here on Earth, when the pressure builds up, a man needs a place to be alone. In my particular line of work, which is the maintenance and repair of computers, those pressures often become intolerable. This restful haven has saved me more than I can say. Uh, what did you do here? I recharge my batteries. Here? Oh, I, I don't mean that literally, of course. Oh, of course. <laughs> That was the first time Ned Barr heard that high whining sound with which we've become so familiar. On hearing it today, a child will look up and wave pleasantly to the driver who will wave back. Today it's a common occurrence when these little scooters, as we call them, dash in and out of our atmosphere, darting and spinning, their eyelights flashing on and off. But in the old days, in the time of Ned Bummer's discoveries, these were frightening things for people to see. If you saw a flying saucer, as they were then called, you reported it to an Air Force headquarters where it was filed. That's what Ned Bummer saw at that moment. A small group of scooters, their red, blue, and yellow lights flickering on and off. As though they'd seen Ned and the Omega sites, they hovered above them, mother-heading them, so to speak. Keep your hands in your pockets, don't speak, don't look at them, and don't look. Yes, right. We're just fine, thank you. No cause for alarm, not at all. Ned Bummer wrote of that experience just after it occurred. And I quote, Seen from directly below, each object formed a circle a bit longer than it was wide. Its underparts were covered by a substance resembling metallic fur. The lights were not flashing on and off, but were opening and closing as though they were eyes. One blue, one red, and the third yellow. Our treatment has been just splendid. Nothing to cause any concern has happened to us. This gentleman beside me is Ned Bummer, and he's largely responsible for our safety and our feelings of trust and confidence. May I take my hands out of my pockets now? Oh, yes, of course. I, I didn't know if you'd ever met a scooter before. We don't like to take chances. Under stress, the driver has difficulty controlling it. You earth people, you're always pointing at things. It terrifies the scooters. Every one of you pointing at them all the time. I must confess we've treated them very badly, pointing and so on. Yes, you have. After all, they're only doing what they've been assigned to do. They guard you, is that it? Well, they make certain we're all right. They had our eyes on us before you found us. They knew exactly where we were. But Norma K. Vicky told me you were lost. <laughs> Norma K. Vicky is a worrywart. She assumed we were lost because she didn't know where we were. We knew where we were, so we weren't lost. We didn't know where each other were was the problem. Yes, I see. Well, I think it's time to continue our journey. Uh, shall we get back in the van? The 27 Omega sites clambered back into the van and they continued their journey to Green Bank. Ned Bummer felt perfectly safe, for he knew the members of the day crew were finished and had left the complex. And sure enough, the great Green Bank parking lot was entirely empty. As he parked the van, Ned realized that the scooters were hovering above them, eye lights blinking watchfully. But what Ned Bummer didn't know was that Feldon Bark and his men had picked up the trail and were right behind them. But let us hear the recorded testimony of Lieutenant General Cyrus Miller. General Miller, poor soul, is the only one who's left us any inkling of what has come to be known as the affair in the Green Bank parking lot. This tape was recorded at General Miller's court-martial. Roll tape, Hal. I say it again, gentlemen. It was a war. 
in which corner mailboxes tried to swallow men with plain brown wrappers flying from the radio antennas of their automobiles while several flying saucers hovered directly over the field, perhaps acting as airborne observers. I witnessed the battle from my office. The northernmost window looks down on the parking lot where the war was fought. Believe me, gentlemen, it was a war in which corner mailboxes tried to swallow men with plain brown wrappers flying from their radio antennas. Poor soul died in disgrace, penniless and unloved. A tragic footnote in history. And now Hal has Ned Bummer ready to speak to us again. Come in, Ned Bummer. Come in, Ned Bummer. Uh, Ned Bummer here. Uh, hello, Earth. I note a change in your voice, Ned. Uh, well, sir, as we go backward, we pick up speed. By Earth reckoning, I'm now just past my tenth birthday. However, I am determined to finish this work before my ninth birthday, which will be sometime last week by your reckoning. Mrs. Bummer is waving, Ned. Hang in there, old girl. While it's true that you're 75 going on 76, while I'm 10 going on 9, we'll work it out. You'll see. Just hang in there for your Ned. We'll have our honeymoon yet. She's waving, Ned. And I think a teardrop or two has fallen. The hand, folks, for Ned Bummer. Thank you, Ned. Thank you. And now, in a moment... The exciting conclusion to what happened to Ned Bummer and Feldenbark and the Omega Sites. Andy Griffith again, and here's the fourth act of Our Man on Omega. Well, as you've heard, Feldenbark and his cohorts left the Green Bay parking lot with their tails between their legs. Ned led the Omega Sites into the building and was about to put them on television so that Norma K. Vicky could see that they were alive and well when Lieutenant General Miller interjected his presence. Red alert! Red alert! Invasion of foreign forces from somewhere else! Man the tanks! Armored cars! Get-go weapons! Charge! Ned and the Omega Sites could do nothing but run for their very lives. They escaped the building, piled pell-mell into the van, and roared away. Ahead of them, Feldenbark and his cohorts frantically drove, while behind them came a portion of the United States Army. The scooters are following us. Uh, Mr. Bummer? Yes? We'd be honored if you'd come with us and meet the folks in Omega and elsewhere in the universe. We desperately need new blood. I'm to be married very soon. Oh, we wouldn't stand in your way. <sighs> May I consider your offer? Please do. It's our opinion the new blood you'd add would revive and refresh Omega. You're very kind. Oh, not at all. By a clever ruse, Ned Bummer escaped the slow-moving United States Army and drove directly to Miss Eleanor Hempel's little white house. And there, with only the Omega sites in attendance, they were married by a civil servant sworn to secrecy. While this was going on, Feldenbar called a meeting of the PKMC. And this is a transcription of what he said. Mr. Chairman, fellow members of the PKMC, I want to first thank each and every one of you for dropping whatever you were doing to attend this emergency meeting. Now listen good. A gigantic plot to flood the mails of the United States of America with plain brown wrappers has been uncovered by yours truly and a few associates. Now, 
What these foul people who instigated this plot have done is rig these mailboxes, we counted 27 of them, so that they are self-propelled and they bite. I can tell that many of you gathered here at this special meeting are saying to yourselves that old felon has flipped his lid, etc. Not so, my friends. Those mailboxes bite. They bit Thomas Buddy Green on his right forearm so hard they made a dent in his favorite leather jacket, which can never be eradicated. Therefore, we are going after them. And if you're threatened, fight fire with fire. Bite back. In order for you to do that, I want every man here who has a bridge or false teeth to step out of line and deposit said items on the table over there. All right, now, let's get those dirty, filthy, plain brown rapper deviants. Eldon Bark led his men back to the spot where he'd first seen the Omega Sites, Miss Eleanor Hempel's little white house. And they got there just as the wedding party was breaking up. Imagine. As Feldenbach rounded the corner, the front door opened and out stepped the Omega Sites. Mayday! Mayday! Clean Daddy here! My goodness, what's going on? They don't drive very well. Look, the scooters! Uh, they're warning us. Look there! Ned, dear, those are army tanks coming this way. We must leave now immediately. There is no time to lose. It was a scene from Bedlam. The army approaching from one direction, Feldenbach and his men from another, while the scooters hovered above it all, eye lights blinking in a frenzy. The scooters will land and take us aboard now. Mr. Bummer, you will ride with Spot. I will join Rover. Prince and Fido will stay here to guard Mrs. Bummer. But I... There's a good girl. But I... You've been a brick, Mrs. Bummer. I knew you'd understand. I'll be back, my darling. I'll be back. Be a good little girl. I'll be back and we'll have our honeymoon. Now, just a block away from where Miss Eleanor Hempel lived was a small branch post office. And outside it, and on the four street corners adjoining it, stood corner mailboxes. What happened then, to the shame of many, was that Feldenbach's men, eager for battle, their teeth safely left behind, attacked these mailboxes, while the Omega Sites boarded the scooters, Spot and Rover, and Lady and the others. Goodbye, old girl! It's only a little business trip! I'll be back before you know it, and we'll have our honeymoon! Bite them! Don't just stand there, I'll say, bite them! Ouch! Men, escort this young lady to a home, since she appears to be having trouble with her moving van. Then arrest those men for attempting to deface United States government mailboxes by biting with our teeth and gums. And that's exactly what happened. Ned, can you hear me? Miss Hempel is beside me now. And we've a treat in store for you. Now, Mrs. Ned Bummer would like to say a word. Ladies and gentlemen, Mrs. Ned Bummer. Thank you, sir. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen. If my husband, Ned Bummer, were standing here by my side, he would know how to thank you properly. Alas, I was never one to make public speeches the way Mr. Bummer did. Now Hal has been trying to reach Ned Bummer for our big surprise. Ned, can you hear me? Is that you, Ned? 
This is Norman R. Zolly, Earth. Oh, Mr. Zolly. Good evening, sir. Is Ned Bummer available? His wife is here with us at this grand celebration we're having in honor of Ned. Oh, well, he's taking his nap just now, sir, and he's cranky if awakened. Are we talking about Ned Bummer, sir? Yes. He refused our advice and continued work until he reached the infant stage. But, sir, Mrs. Bummer is here, and this sweet little old lady has been waiting 52 years for her honeymoon. Oh, <laughs> don't concern yourself, Mrs. Bummer. We're going to reverse ourselves within the hour and go forward again. With this little setback won't disturb anything, will it? Not at all. By my calculations, the scooters have arrived to escort Mrs. Bummer to her husband. It will first take her to a backward-moving planet. You mean... Exactly, sir. Ned Bummer will grow older while Mrs. Bummer grows younger. And when they've each reached the Earth age on the day of Ned's departure, they'll be joined together and have their honeymoon as planned, just as though those Earth years had never occurred. Thank you, Mr. Zolly. Mrs. Bummer has been getting into the scooter even as we spoke. Farewell, dear lady. Farewell. Our thoughts go with you. Mutual Radio Theater is brought to you five nights a week at this time. Tonight's original radio play, Our Man on Omega, was written, produced, and directed by Elliot Lewis. Your host was Andy Griffin. Our star was Richard Crenna. Featured in the cast were Linda K. Henning, Jesse White, Sandra Gould, Lou Horn, William Woodson, and Brian Miller. The Mutual Radio Theater theme was composed by Nelson Riddle. John Harlan speaking. The Elliot Lewis production of Mutual Radio Theater is a presentation of CVI. This is Vincent Price. Join us tomorrow. I'll have another story to astonish and mystify you.